Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My JavaScript Story. This week, we're talking to Nick. How do you say your last name, Nick? Uh, Nick Basile. Basile. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, do you want to just give us a brief intro as far as like where you're from, what you do, mm-hmm. uh, why you're famous and all that stuff? Sure. I, I know if I call myself famous, but um, so hey, everybody. My name is Nick Basile. I am currently a UX instructor for Lambda School uh, based wow. out of Austin, Texas. Um, so a little bit about me. I was writing a lot of blog posts about Vue and Laravel uh, and also Tailwind CSS. So that's kind of how I, I guess I'm famous. Um, so a lot of that content. I also do a live stream uh, where I build products with Laravel and Vue. And uh, yeah, that's kind of me. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Nice. And we had you on episode eight of Views on View, which mm-hmm. is our, it's been going for a year and a half, mm-hmm. uh, podcast about Vue.js. So yeah. So you do Laravel and Vue, huh? That is correct. That's my, my favorite stack to work with. Very cool. It's funny. I've been talking to a lot more people lately who do Laravel, which is funny because I remember back in the day, it was kind of cool to bag on PHP. <laughs> and then I don't know what it is about Laravel, but some people just love living in it. So yeah, I'm definitely in that, in that camp. I love, love Laravel, love everything about it. Um, I, and, and I've, I feel like I've worked in a lot of different environments. I was big into JavaScript for a long time, big into, I got into Meteor when that was coming out. Um, and nothing has been quite like Laravel. So I could, I can't say enough good things. Nice. Yeah. I have a neighbor who really, really loves Laravel. And what's funny is, is, uh, for a while there, he, you know, he kept trying to convince me to use it and he'd come up and he'd be like, well, it has this killer feature. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, Rails invented that. <laughs> and so we, we'd have this back and forth, but it sounds like it's a really terrific way of building apps, if mm-hmm. I'm being perfectly honest. So, you know, it has a lot of the features that modern frameworks have. It gets a lot of the cruft because I remember writing um, lamp stack apps back in college, you know, just, just for fun. Right. Cause it was kind of the state of the art kind of thing. And yeah. Um, wrote some really, really, really messy PHP <laughs> and yeah. So, uh, it sounds like it, it helps you organize that stuff, uh, gives you some really good, uh, ways of abstracting away a lot of the work and yeah, just, just terrific stuff. And then the Laravel community has embraced few, which is really interesting. Yeah, definitely. So it's sort of like a, I feel like a symbiotic relationship. Everyone loves mm-hmm. you and Laravel and um, it's, it's really great because it's like right out of the box. Here's your Laravel project, all the view stuff is scaffolded and you're ready to go. Nice. It kind of makes me wonder a little bit if there's a good Laravel podcast. I think there are like a, a couple. So um, i trying to think um, they're escaping me off the top of my head. I think there is a Laravel podcast. I think either Taylor or uh, Taylor Atwell who created Laravel does it. 
Um, and I know, I think Matt Stauffer has one and Jeffrey Way has one. So all, all the Laravel luminaries, I think, have their, their own podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I just found one at Laravel Podcast. It's called The Laravel Podcast. Yeah. I <laughs> and uh, yeah, it looks like it's interviews done by Matt Stauffer. Mm-hmm. The previous seasons were uh, Taylor Otwell and Jeffrey Way mm-hmm. as, as regular co-hosts. Um, I'm curious if there's another one. So there's, I think that one's pretty good. Um, Laracast is the one I always hear about, but yeah. So they're, they're more like videos. Yeah. yeah. So like tutorials. I'm trying to think of the other one. Um, Adam, Adam Wathen, and I can't think of the name of his actual podcast name, but his, he does one. It's not specifically Laravel focused. It's a little broader, but he's had some really good Laravel. Yeah. Okay. I found a list from April, which isn't too out of date, I guess if it is at all, but yeah. So Laravel news podcast, uh, Laravel snippet, um, Laracast snippet, full stack radio. That's Adam. That's the one, yeah. mm-hmm. Um, dad's in dev. Uh, that's interesting. North meets South. They talk about life as web developers. Interesting. Anyway. Um, and then, uh, Lara chat live. Anyway, I'll put a link to the, this, uh, list in the show notes, but yeah, it's just interesting to me, you know, how, how these communities embrace podcasts and things like that. Um, maybe I should join the fray and start a Laravel podcast. Yeah. Why not? I mean, we launched three new shows last week. We launched, um, blockchain, uh, DevOps and, uh, open source sustainability. So yeah, we're, we're trying to get out there and make sure that everybody has a quality show. And it looks like we've got a couple here, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Just, just interesting stuff. We don't really have, um, we don't really have a, a strong um, PHP showing yet. So, mm-hmm. yeah, well, maybe, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to do a PHP show and then maybe a Laravel show. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So anyway, um, this show is kind of set up for a couple of things. One is to, uh, so you can tell your story, get in, getting into programming, getting into JavaScript, getting into mm-hmm. Uh, view. Uh, we'll probably talk about getting into Laravel as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, is to give people a chance to get to know you, like who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, generally we're looking for, you know, on the personal side, like what are your other interests? Um, you know, uh, a lot of people talk about their family, you know, so it's like, oh, I have two dogs or I have a girlfriend or I have a boyfriend or I have kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then, you know, just, just a little bit sort of a glimpse into the day of, of Nick. So what's your life like, Nick? Well, life is uh, pretty good right now. So I just had a baby with my wife. Uh, so we've got a, a little uh, soon to be four month old uh, and she is wonderful. So that has been my biggest uh, sort of life change. Um, and a day in the life for me is, uh, I think, pretty interesting. So I'm currently a UX instructor at Lambda School. So that's my, my whole day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do live instruction all the time. And uh, it is super, super phenomenal. So I'm, I'm in the classroom with students and it's all remote. So we're in zoom calls. So right in the classroom is in the zoom call. Um, but it's great. Get to see, uh, how much progress they made and how watch somebody who has no idea what UX is blossom into an incredible designer is, is such a rewarding experience. So, uh, that's been, that's been pretty awesome. So that's kind of the day to day, but outside of work, um, I'm one of those uh, people who likes to wake up super early in the morning. So I'm up normally at like four forty-five every day. Uh, so that's, that's my, my thing. Uh, and so I get up, go to the gym, uh, love, love lifting, love getting into, uh, uh, like kind of, kind of power lifting, kind of just strength training in general. So that's how I like to start my day. 
uh, and then start working right away. So I was like working early in the morning, uh, do my full day. And then in the afternoon, the evening, it's, it's spending time with the family. It's uh, reading, reading a new book. It's watching Netflix. Always have to watch a little Netflix um, and, and just kind of taking it easy. And then sometimes uh, on like Saturdays, I do like my live stream. So just kind of get on almost like Saturday morning cartoons. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm just going to get on and do some coding or do some design uh, and, and actually build a project. Uh, which I think is super fun. So yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell right now. Nice. So uh, what's the best thing on Netflix then? Ooh, that's, that's hard to say. Uh, well, so I've never seen Parks and Rec. So my wife is like, we have to fix that. So currently that is what we're going through. <laughs> nice. uh, so it's, it's, it's not the, the newest, hottest thing, but it's definitely what we're, we're watching right now. Uh, I'm trying to think, I feel like there was something that caught my eye the other day, but now I'm now, now I can't remember it. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what we're, we're tuned into right now. And those are great because they're, they're pretty funny. They're digestible. I can kind of zone out while watching it. And that's, that's all I'm looking for right now. Yeah, makes sense. Well, if your greatest flaw is that you haven't seen Parks and Rec, by the way, I haven't either. Um, <laughs> I think you're doing okay. Right. <laughs> if that's the thing your wife has to fix on you. I know. So I, I think we're, we're doing all right. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, well, uh, yeah. The other thing is, is Lambda School is a really interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some, I can't remember who it was, but we've had a few people on from Lambda School. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the JavaScript instructors is a regular on the DevEd podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, director of curriculum or whatever for the iOS program, Andrew Madsen, mm-hmm. has been a regular on the I, uh, iFreak show for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he lives near me here in Salt Lake City. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, so anyway, I know a few people over there at Lambda School, and that's really, really interesting as well. Um, and I like the model of, hey, go get a job and then, you know, you can pay us back. Right. So, it makes sense for everybody. Yep, totally. <laughs> so, yeah. So how did you get into programming then? So that is a, a story. I feel like everybody has, it's a story for everyone. So it's good, good, good thing in this podcast is here. Um, so I went to school actually. And so I went to university in Switzerland for all four years at this little place called Franklin University, Switzerland. Um, and so it's, it's an American liberal arts college in Switzerland. Um, so like American instructors, everything's in English. Um, but, um, I got an American degree and a Swiss degree there, which is pretty cool. And I was studying economics. I was studying banking and finance and I was like, I want to get out of school and I'm going to do economic research and everything's going to be awesome. Um, so I got out of school and I realized, Hey, it's, it's pretty hard to go get a job at a bank doing economic research. So I was kind of like, Oh no, what have I? What have I set myself up for here? Um, so I ended up working at um, two startups at the same time, which is insane. I would never recommend that to anybody. Um, but my um, the founder, uh, it was one founder was working with both these startups. So he kind of brought me onto both of them. Um, and he was having a really, really hard time communicating to his developers what he wanted to have built. Um, so right. I was like, Okay, so I can I my I got a minor in studio art, so I was like I can use Illustrator. I know how to use these graphic design tools. Uh, so let me just start like sketching this out, and hopefully that'll be like clearer communication there. So that's how I got into like UI design. Um, and then it was like I just need to learn everything about this field as I can. So I was reading books, I was reading articles, watching videos, just as much as possible about UX design, UI design. Um, so I did that for about three months. I thought I was this hotshot UX designer and uh, looking back, it's funny. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, man, I'm a pro at this. Look at me. I'm a designer. Um, and uh, I was like, okay, so I can, I feel like I can draw an interface. I can come up with one. I would love to learn how to build it. 
Um, and that's when I started teaching myself how to um, do development work. So um, started learning HTML, CSS, a little bit of JavaScript, sort of gearing up for like a front end kind of role. And then I was kind of like, man, if I'm going to do this, I'm really going to invest all the time. I need to go get like a front end engineering job. Uh, and that's what I did. So I, I, I was living in uh, Connecticut at the time. And my girlfriend, who's now my wife, was like, we need to figure out a place where we can live. And she's from Houston. So I moved down to Austin um, for a front end engineering job. And that's where we've been ever since. So that was my foray into programming totally by accident. Um, I was not, it was not on the career trajectory at all, not in the life plans, but it ended up working out. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the biggest pain points that I find as I talk to people about software is deployment. It's really interesting to have the conversations with people where it's, I don't want to deal with Docker. I don't want to deal with Kubernetes. I don't want to deal with setting up servers. I don't, you know, all of these different things. And in a lot of ways, DevOps has gotten a lot easier. And in a lot of ways, DevOps has also kind of embraced a certain amount of culture around applications, the way we build them, the way we deploy them. And I've really felt for a long time that developers need to have the conversations with DevOps or adopt some form of DevOps so that they can take control of what they're doing and really understand when things go to production, what's going on so that they can help debug the issues and fix the issues and find the issues when they go wrong and help streamline things and make things better and slicker and easier so that they'll more generally go right. So we started a podcast called Adventures in DevOps. And I pulled in one of the hosts from one of my favorite DevOps shows, Nell Shamrell Harrington from The Food Fight Show. And we got things rolling there. And so this is more or less a continuation of The Food Fight Show, where we're talking about the things that go into DevOps. So if you're struggling with any of these operational type things, then definitely check out Adventures in DevOps. And you can find it at adventuresindevopspodcast.com. Yeah, it's, it's funny how many people I talk to and they're like, well, it's not that interesting. I'm not really a CS grad. And I'm like, you know what? Neither is anybody else. <laughs> right. So it's, it's definitely interesting just to see how many people have this different kind of background. And then, yeah, you find out, okay, maybe this uh, non-CS degree person isn't as uncommon as we tend to think they are. Right, for sure. Yeah, I think, I feel like the engineers I worked with have been about 50-50, half kind of self-taught and half yep. coming from uh, with that CS degree, yeah. Well, and it's funny to me too, the, I, I guess the number of people that I've talked to where it, it doesn't necessarily even correlate. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes they have slightly different skill sets mm -hmm. or slightly different way of looking at things, but I can't definitively say that all the people that I worked with that have CS degrees are any better or worse than the people who didn't. So, right. Yeah, for sure. Definitely seen good engineers from very, very different backgrounds. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. So how did you wind up? Did you get into Laravel first or into Vue first? Yeah. So at that, so this first job, I was a front end engineer and mostly working in HTML, CSS and jQuery. So uh, that was my, my big break into JavaScript was figuring out jQuery. Um, and when I'm thinking back on it, I'm like, man, how do we build the things that we built with jQuery? But um, I, I just remember building like this whole custom reporting dashboard for our C-suite and it was like acting like an SBA, but using jQuery and uh -huh. just hiding things. And it was thinking back, it was kind of crazy that we were doing it that way, but that, that's what you did. Um, and so after that job, um, I ended up working at a startup and 
one, uh, basically the, the head of engineering was like, hey, we're going to do this in sort of a more modern stack. Let's do Laravel. Um, and I was like, okay. And the back end at this original place had been vanilla PHP and they had basically written their own framework. So I was like, all right, I kind of know what's going on here with PHP. Um, I feel, feel okay with that. So Laravel sounds like a good fit. And then he basically said, they're talking about, and this was like back when like they were, view was up and coming and it was like uh-huh. uh, part of like, is this going to be like something the Laravel community is really into? And he's like, this looks like a, it's going to be our good, a good choice for us in Laravel. So go learn Vue and we'll build the front end for this software as service kind of product in Vue. So, and that's kind of how I, I got into it. So I was the lead UX engineer on the team, um, basically coded out our whole front end into Vue 1 and then migrated it to Vue 2. Um, and that's kind of how I started getting into Vue and started really falling in love with, with it. Yeah, that makes sense. So have you, are you still at the same place then? The, oh, I guess you've moved on to Lambda school. So, yeah. So, so it was, so that startup, we actually, that's a great learning experience. Uh, we ran out of money. So I, I learned how to do that really well. Um, <laughs> run out of money. <laughs> yeah. So we ran, out of, we ran out of money and, uh, which yeah, we did it, we did it for a year and then our, uh, we just didn't have the, the growth that we thought we were going to. So learned so much about what I wouldn't do for my next startup, which is, I think, pretty invaluable. Um, then I went into, uh, I was working in uh, essentially advertising for a little bit incentivized marketing. Um, so I was working as a full stack engineer there and that's kind of, so I'm kind of uh, moving up the totem post, so to speak. Um, so I was doing a lot of their front end stuff in view, but they were also on a Laravel backend. So it was helping with that. Uh, then I was consulting for myself for a while. And then I finally found the Laravel opportunity that was uh, coming up my one year now. So I've been with, Laravel, uh, with, with Lambda for about a year now. Very cool. Mm-hmm. How did you wind up working for Lambda School? So um, I think like everybody who worked at Lambda School, we saw our CEO Austin's Twitter account um, and just what he was saying. So I was like, hmm, this is uh, an interesting person because I was kind of following Y Combinator in that startup space. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, they're a Y Combinator alum. So I was kind of following him and he kept just saying really interesting things on Twitter. So I was like, huh, let me check out this Lambda School thing. Um, and so I went to the website and I was like, oh, this is really awesome. And I went to their careers page and this is when I was like kind of free consulting for myself. And I was like, hmm, it'd be really nice to have a paycheck instead of to have to go find clients all the time. Um, and so I was like, let me just cold apply. If something happens, it happens. And if not, uh, that's okay too. I can just keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, and sure enough, it ended up working out. So I, I went through the whole interview process and I, I ended up getting hired as the, the first UX instructor on the team. Uh, to help build out the UX program there. So it was, uh, you know, pre- pretty serendipitous. Nice. So what are you working on these days? Uh, so these days, so obviously doing all, all this different Lambda, teaching the, the UX curriculum there. Um, but on the side, what I've been lately doing is a lot more live streaming. So I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I try and stream about once a week on Saturday mornings. And for the last six months or so, I've just been building my own personal portfolio. Um, and just kind of showing how do you go from like, I want to build myself a portfolio to what do I want to communicate about myself? How do I design this? Um, how do I translate this from wireframes into something more high fidelity? And then how do I actually go about developing it? So right now I just finished building the back end in Laravel and I'm starting to do the front end. Um, so that's been sort of my ongoing live stream project. And just the other day I was, I was thinking about this, um, the thing that I've run into in, in just about every engineering role I've had at some point, somebody says, we want a custom form builder. And I always say like, how about Google forms? How about type form? How about form IO? Like something off the shelf. And it's always right. like, 
well, that wouldn't work, but we really need to customize like these three things. So we end up building like a full custom form builder just so we can have this like little, little differences. And I was like, I wonder if anybody else has, and it's, I feel like it's been literally every job I've had at some point. So we have to end up doing this. Uh, and so I was like, Hey, I'm, uh, anybody else running into this problem and a whole bunch of people liked it on Twitter. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to write this. I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen. So right now I'm working on building out what exactly I want the, the end product to look like. Uh, and then I'm going to do a course on how, how you can approach this problem. So that way you can then customize it. Cause I was thinking about, can you do this open source? Could you do as a package? And I was thinking back to my jobs and every one of them had the same kind of core engine, but they customized it in a very different way. And so I want to be able to walk somebody through that process as opposed to saying, here is an open source thing that probably won't quite fit your use case and you're going to have to customize anyway. Um, so it's more about how can they actually build it for themselves? Yeah, but, that makes sense. It's yeah. funny. Um, you're talking about that and um, both Angular. So I've, I've done podcasts for years and years about um, Rails and then about Angular at different points. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's funny because both communities had the same kind of thing where it was every time a new person joined the core team, they would rewrite the router. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's, it's okay. Well, yeah. So everybody sees this problem and they go solve it in a different way. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, the, then they find ways to, you know, justify it, you know, with benchmarks or whatever, but mm -hmm. it's, it's really interesting to me that, yeah, you know, we, we see this in a lot of places, you know, this could be a lot better or it doesn't quite do what we want. And mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So you, you wind up reinventing the, the, the solution. Right. 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 And you could probably share 80% of that solution kind of across the board. So as long as I can give, deliver that and kind of say, this is how I would go about solving it. And then now that you know how this is built, you can customize it for what that last 20%. Yeah. Uh, that, that's all I'm trying to do. Nice. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Yeah. I just, I, I love that. So is this uh, specific to view or is it more of a conceptual yeah. thing for people who have this problem? That's a, that's a good question. So it's going to be a Laravel view project. So kind of a hybrid. So we'll do Laravel on the back end, and it's going to be pretty coupled. It's not going to be like an SBA with an API or anything. It's going to be more of like a monolithic Laravel backend and routing, that kind of stuff with like view components um, sprinkled throughout the front end. So nice. Mm -hmm. So have you tried uh, some of the other frameworks on the back end or the front end? I mean, be it, you know, other, I don't know, cake PHP or some of the other PHP backends mm -hmm. and some of the other front ends like React or Angular. Yeah. So I haven't worked too much with other backends. Um, like I've done, I've done some stuff where I've tried to spit up like my own node server and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but nothing too robust. Um, and I've worked, uh, in like the monolithic Laravel frame setup where it's like Laravel and view are in the same essentially folder. Um, right. And I've also done the separated, here's my view SBA in the front and here's my Laravel API. Um, and so I've, I've got that exposure. Uh, but in terms of other frameworks, like I've, I've done a little bit with React. I, I did a, little, a lot with Angular when it like first came out, but I've kind of definitely fallen off that bandwagon and probably I couldn't remember it if I, if I had to. Um, so uh, I've, I've exposed myself to them, but I don't, I don't consider myself expert in them by, by any stretch. Gotcha. Yeah, it's just, uh, I'm really curious then um, is, is there something in particular that you just love about Vue? Mm -hmm. Are there things in particular that you don't love about Vue? Yeah, those are, those are, those are the good questions. Uh, so 
I, what I just like about Vue is I am like a big fan of like the template structure. Like when I got, I was trying to get into React, like JSX just threw me for a loop. Um, and I know it's all JavaScript and I know it makes sense, but like it took me a long time conceptually to be like, what's going on here? How, like, how is this rendering? Uh, versus Vue, it was just like, oh, here's like HTML that I already like know what's going on. Yes, I need to learn some directives, but uh-huh. that felt easier for me to learn directives than this whole like way of rendering a front end differently. So uh, that for me was like the, I, like when I was at the crossroads and I had to like pick between React and, and Vue, that's what as a younger engineer drew me to, to Vue.js. Um, but it's, it, what I've always loved about it is like the developer experience and how good the documentation is and the community having really good walkthroughs, really good tutorials um, and, and good package support as well. And I know React has a lot of that as well, but and it's just the, I think the focus on that developer experience has always been something that I've really valued and really enjoyed over in Vue uh, that I haven't seen so much in, in every other framework that I worked with. And I, I think, honestly, that's why I like Laravel so much as well. I think they, they, have, they share a very similar mindset, um, just saying, like, how do we make this a painless experience for you as a, as a developer? So that's always been my, my big go-to. One of the things that I have as a goal for devchat.tv is to cover technologies that are up and coming, things that we're probably going to have to deal with on a more regular basis in the future. Some of these include AI, VR, and one of them is blockchain. So I reached out to one of the experts that I knew, Gregory McCubbin, and we pulled together a few other people and we've started a podcast called Adventures in Blockchain. So if you're looking at blockchain as something that you may want to work in, something that you're curious about learning more about, or something that you just want to keep current on until you have the opportunity to make a career jump and go over and work in blockchain and crypto, then definitely check out Adventures in Blockchain. You can find it at adventuresinblockchain.io. In terms of things I I don't like about it, I'm I'm struggling here. I can't really think of anything off the the top of my head. I've definitely gotten to situations where it's like, hmm, this is not exactly working the way I want it to. Um, And I've really got to like think outside the box or, or, like in very esoteric kind of cases. But for the most part, I think it's, it's pretty seamless. Uh, the one thing that kind of annoys me sometimes is like, I think it's getting into state management and Vuex. Um, it's just a lot of overhead. And so I will often go down like this rabbit hole of doing the, just the event bus, like a really simple kind of state management system. And then I'm like, oh man, I've got to refactor this to Vuex. That's probably my own fault not refactoring earlier, but that's how I always seem to be like an important part in a project. And then it's like, huh, we're really going to need UX, aren't we? And then I've got to refactor. So uh, that, that for me sometimes is a little, a little annoying, but that's just, if I'm going to be super nitpicky about it. No, it makes sense. It's funny to, uh, you know, you're talking about kind of, uh, yeah, using an event bus and things like that to, to stand in for state management until you realize for sure that you need something else. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've had conversations with other people and, they take that approach just because they recognize that not every app is going to need a Vuex slash Redux type solution mm-hmm. for their state management. Right. So, you know, their approach is, well, I'm just going to do the simplest thing to implement. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, they'll, they'll pull in the other stuff if they actually realize that, you know what, this is, this is going to be kind of a critical thing here. So. Right. For sure. And I'm, I'm always hoping it's not going to be a critical thing. I'm always like, how, how much can we get away with without state management? And then yeah, it always sneaks up on you. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Nice. Uh, any other projects you've got uh, going on there? Those are the two big ones. I mean, raising raising a baby is the other one. So that that's more of my 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 life project right now. But uh, yeah, I know a little bit about that. 
that's kind of the uh but otherwise it's it's uh yeah those are those are the two big ones the live streams and that um custom form builder course so nice i'm I'm a little curious too you know as an instructor at lambda school what, what's your approach to teaching Do, is there kind of an overarching idea of how learning should occur or mm-hmm. do they kind of leave that up to you as far as how you teach and yeah so we definitely have a like a, a structure to the way we deliver content and, and how we should be delivering that information but the actual information is very much up to us as instructors um and so that's what we work on like collaborating all the time like what are we going to teach and when that's definitely at our discretion but how we're going to teach that and how we deliver it that's that's very standardized across the board so uh, we we kind of have objectives that we we teach to. Um, so, for instance, like a, a student will be able to design a mock-up. For instance, um, that's an objective that we can say if they can do this, then they can. Uh, that's part of the skill set they need to become a hireable UX designer. Um, and so we can teach towards that, and we can structure things around that. So we kind of break everything down into objectives like that, and then we kind of have this "I do, we do, you do" cycle where I, as the instructor, will instructor will demonstrate something. Right. And we will um, do it together. We'll kind of practice together. And then I will shift responsibility over to the student in the afternoon to do their assignment. They're going to go practice it on their own and do it themselves. So uh, as long as we're following that sort of um, delivery system, it's, it's pretty much up to us to decide what we're going to teach and when we're going to teach it. Right. Uh, the other question I have is if somebody is thinking, OK, you know what? The, the teaching thing sounds really, really rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're thinking something like Lambda School would be a good fit for them. Mm-hmm. Is is there a process to getting hired over there? Or mm-hmm. yeah, there certainly is, and we're I think very it's a very thorough process. I remember going through the interview process e- even in those earlier days, um, and it was like, huh, this is taking a while. I've got to I've got to do a lot here. But I think it's because Lambda just cares so much about the quality of the education. They want to make sure the people delivering it are experts. Uh, and not only experts, but good instructors, good good educators as well. So it, it's a, a lengthy process, but if you can stick through it, it is one of the most rewarding experiences I've, I've ever been a part of. Makes sense. Um, are there any changes? I know that you don't necessarily represent Lambda School, but um, <laughs> are, are there changes coming or any big announcements that you want to let us in on or um not that i'm probably allowed to make or even know about so um nothing nothing on my radar okay cool um yeah so beyond uh the teaching and the you know the things that we've already talked about do you have any are are you like speaking at conferences or yeah so i i love to speak at a conference i just haven't uh gotten gotten into it just yet um I, I mainly speak at like local meetups. So I speak at like the Laravel meetup. We don't really have a good view on in Austin just yet. So that's something that I've always been like, hmm, maybe I should start that, but it's too many other things going on. So, uh, but yeah, I speak at the, I spoke at the Laravel one uh, pretty regularly. So maybe a couple of times a year and then um, other ones when, when I get the opportunity. So I'll definitely on that meetup circuit a little bit. Um, yeah. Conference would be awesome one day. It's just, I, I feel like if I'm giving a conference talk, I need to deliver something like really valuable and worthwhile to that audience. And I don't know if I've stumbled upon that concept just yet, um, but maybe this custom form builder would be be worthwhile to talk about. So uh, yeah. definitely once I, I think once I figure out exactly what I would like to share with people, then I'll be in a much better spot to, to actually go and speak somewhere. That makes sense. At the same time though, um, I find that a lot of people, they're, they're trying to find that killer talk or that killer topic. And then it turns out that the thing that they know well, that they just didn't really think about is the <laughs> thing that 
they can really explain well and everybody else is wanting to hear about. So, right. Totally. Um, you know, I would just encourage you if you, if you have a chance to just sit down, maybe talk to some people that you work with and say, you know what, you know, what, what am I good at? What, what should I be looking to tell people about and just see where mm-hmm. you wind up? Yeah, that's actually a great idea. Was this, <laughs> I was telling something similar to my students today. So that, that's, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that as well. So yeah, that actually is a good idea. That's, and that's you know, something like I've been reflecting on, like I do the UX design thing, but I also do the engineering. So I'm sure there's some sort of topic about bridging that gap that I can bring some value to at some point. Yep. Well, it's funny too. I, I keep giving people advice about doing some kind of content marketing, right? Mm-hmm. And then I was doing something else and it kind of hit me between the eyes and I was like, I keep telling people to do content marketing, but I'm not actually doing any content marketing. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Right. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to give the advice. It's another thing to kind of go, Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I should do that. <laughs> yeah. I should do that. I should take my own advice. <laughs> Very cool. Well, if, if people are uh, seeing what you're doing and they think it's interesting, uh, where can they go to learn more? Yeah, so um, they can go to my um, personal website. So that is like nick-basile.com or, or nickjbasile.com. I think both of those work. Um, and then if you're specifically interested in the course, uh, the custom form builder course, uh, I have a Gumroad uh, link set up for that. So I think we can probably share that, um, hopefully. And then also my Twitter account is probably where I'm most active. So um, that is, if you, if you want to hear my latest thoughts and ramblings, that is where I am most of the time. Nice. Do you want to just put those in the chat and we'll get them into the show notes? Sure thing. All right. Well, the last segment of this show, just like on views on view is picks. Mm-hmm. So picks are just things that make your life better. Things that you like could be TV shows. It could be movies. It could be tech tools. It could be libraries. It could be just about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and, uh, hop into this first. Um, and talk through some of it. So um, lately, I've been uh, trying to get the word out a little bit more about uh, our shows. And so I've been working on doing some SEO. And uh, some of the tools I use for that, I'm just going to shout out about one of them is SEMrush. Um, and uh, it, it's got a couple of really nice tools. Um, one of them is the keyword research tool. Um, when you look up the keywords, you can actually click a button and it'll actually pull up all of the questions that people type into Google as opposed to just keywords, right? Oh, wow. And so it'll be like, so I typed in JavaScript, for example, and mm-hmm. one of them was, what is JavaScript? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then there were a bunch of other ones where, you know, people had questions about JavaScript. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm, I'm kind of diving into that and getting into that a little bit more um, and really, really uh, enjoying that. Um, and, and it's kind of a fun process. The other one is... And I'll have to get a, um, a link to it, but uh, Neil Patel, he has an SEO tool that, that uh, people were telling me to use, Uber Suggest. That's what it is. I'll put a link to that in show notes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, anyway, it's, it's an interesting tool that I've been using to kind of get an idea of what it does is it shows you the, the words that you're already ranking for. Um, mm-hmm. And then it will tell you which ones you could probably rank better on. Oh, cool. And so then you can create more content on those. You can uh, better keyword optimize the um, the listings that you have and just see where you end up with it. So um, anyway, really, really uh, digging that. I've been kind of talking to their folks um, in their office. It's funny because they offer consulting on this. Um, and uh, the, the first guy that called me up 
we talked for like two minutes and figured out that their office is like 10 minutes from my house. Oh, wow. And so he's like, are you in Utah? Yeah, I'm in Utah. Well, we're in Utah. And I tell him, oh, well, that's where I am. <laughs> okay, cool. So yeah, they're, they're just up the road here. And it was just kind of funny mm-hmm. um, to make that connection. So yeah, we made the Utah connection. And um, I've had a couple conversations with him about SEO. So um, that's been really great. And then um, outside of SEO, I'm also ramping things up on the email uh, newsletter. And it's it's been kind of fun to play with that a little bit too. Um, I'm using active campaign. Um, and it's funny cause I, forever I was telling people, Oh, drip is the best drip is the best thing you can use for email campaign until they shut me down without warning me until told me I couldn't send any more emails through that oh, until I fixed my list. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a problem fixing my list. I had a problem with it taking two weeks and not having any warning that they shut it down. So I moved. Right. Um, but yeah, it's and and their tool has changed a bit since I started using it, and it's become much more um, e-commerce focused, mm-hmm. and that's not really what I'm using it for. Mm-hmm. And so it has all of these metrics in it that don't do me any good, right? And so between the two, I've I've been pretty happy switching over to Active Campaign. So I'm going to shout out about them too. Nice, awesome. Um, let me see here. What am I pick? So I, I get a newsletter every Monday morning called, uh, how it actually works by Trevor McKendrick. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is phenomenal. It is something that I, I literally look forward to every Monday morning and it's just his kind of take on the world. Um, but he's, he's got a very compelling writing style and he's reading, he kind of collects some very interesting links that I don't get in, in my other newsletters. So like I'm, I'm on pocket and I'm on, some other dev ones and some Vue.js ones. And uh, he should, I don't know what he's reading or where he's sourcing his links from, but every time I'm just like, man, I, where are you finding this information? This is so interesting. So it is, um, his thoughts are, are worth it alone, but then the links he includes are just out of this world. So I always love um, taking a look at that. So that that's that's my big, my big pick. Uh, and then I've got two more. My other one is uh, I'm going to pick Tailwind CSS. So, I've been using that for a long time. And we're talking about Vue and Laravel, but we didn't talk about CSS at all. So might as well bring that in here. So uh, I've been using that since it, like pretty much what, since it came out and it has completely changed my whole approach to CSS and everything about it. Um, and so I, I'm going to pick that because that uh, is, I was using, I was, I was doing some vanilla CSS the other day and then I went back to Tailwind and I was like, man, how did I ever write vanilla CSS before this? So I it, like, reiterated to me how, how fun it was to work with. Uh, and then finally, this is sort of my fun pick. Uh, I'm going to pick the gym. Uh, cause I, I was, I got out of shape a little bit there. I think it's easy as a developer you're sitting in the chair and if you're not at a standing desk, you kind of quickly get out of shape. Uh, so I was back in the gym recently and it has been phenomenal. So if you're thinking about getting back in the gym, I would, I would pick that. Nice. Yeah. I've, uh, specifically on that point, I've been training for a marathon. Mm, nice. And, uh, so I am not running in the gym, but it's interesting too, at the same time, just to, yeah, it, it's something that I want to do. Cause I want to get back into lifting weights and things like that. And, uh, yeah, just getting into shape has been really rewarding for me mm-hmm. and, uh, I feel better. I feel like I look better. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely something you should look at if you're feeling low on energy or just not feeling good or whatever. It, you, yeah. Have a look at that because, um, it's amazing what a difference it makes, um, just diving into this stuff and figuring out what really 
makes a difference for you. So yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Everything you said, it just it completely changed my life and my outlook. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan because of it. Yep. Well, and I've lost 40 pounds in the last year. Wow. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yep. I've lost 20 of those in the last month and a half. So. Man, I need to get on the marathon training then. <laughs> well, it's that and I've been doing the keto diet. So. Oh, nice. Very nice. Yeah. That'll so, do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing is just sticking to it. And it's hard, but it's worth it. So. Oh, for sure. Yep. Cool. Well, um, yeah. Uh, I'm just going to encourage people to come check out the show notes. They can go follow you on Twitter and things. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Thanks for coming and chatting with me for a few minutes. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was great talking to you. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up, folks, and we will be back next week with another story. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.